Surely there's a tea house with a view of plum trees on Death Mountain, too. I think Jarl's poem is in here. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to be jumping into Japanese death poems. The intention is for them to be the last words uh, written or expressed by Zen monks and haiku poets, primarily. Um, So pretty much on your deathbed, you get handed a brush, and your lifetime's worth of poetry or practice, in either case, has to be expressed in this like one, you know, stroke of creative output. And so this poem that you just read was like written by this 32-year-old guy. Was he a, a monk or a poet? So actually, sticking with our favorite subject of recent times, Shio was one of 47 samurai who, in the winter of 1703, avenged the death of their master and were thus ordered to commit seppuku as punishment. Um, and in his death poem, Shide no Yama, Mountain of Death, is the mountain crossed according to the belief in the journey from life to death. Hmm. What I find interesting about that one is like, it it shows me someone who has like a familiarity with death and kind of a casual relationship with it. He's like, yeah, I mean, even on Death Mountain, we'll find a place to you know rest and kind of enjoy ourselves because he's been resting in that place of death for years, you know, as a warrior. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it's that, you know, it's it's that idea of like, you know, maybe there's maybe there's some comfort in death, right? I mean, there's this idea of sitting in a tea house, like looking over the plum trees and it's like, you know, maybe there'll be uh the same thing in death. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a interesting one. Yeah, trying to like soften the unknown aspect of it. Yeah. Okay, here's another one that I like here. O morning glory, I too yearn for eternity. Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah, and with that one, you know, what what comes to mind for me is like the ease with which other creatures, but plants specifically, flourish without the same type of suffering that we do. Like, they don't need a reason to grow and develop and be beautiful and, you know, reach for higher things. They just do. Yeah. You know? Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, we've been talking, like, a lot about, like, meditation and, like, freaking Japan and the Kyoto Renaissance and stuff like that. But I think in cultivating, like, a state of no mind and, like, you know, opening the hand of thought, like, you, um, you don't have to be unproductive. Like, a lot of these folks in this book, I know some of those we've talked about are extremely generative, despite the fact that they cultivate, you know, um, uh, equanimity and, like, desirelessness to the extent that they can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, And I think, you know, the, the thing I like about these two so far is, like, Well, I guess it's a very, you know, it's, it's an attitude on death that I tend to kind of lean towards in that it's not like, it's not necessarily this like big, scary, horrible thing, you know, it is inevitable and it's, it's okay. Like it's, it's going to happen, you yeah. know, and you can even yearn for eternity, uh, in, in a way. Right. Um, and- Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 
I think with that, that even brings up like things like the Freudian death drive, you know, mm-hmm. the idea that people have a drive for life, you know, expressed in various ways, you know, sex, creative output, um, their work, and then also a drive for death, you know, um, that kind of like shadow, shadowy instinct that makes us watch a horror movie, um, get into fights, you know, perhaps indulge our demons in various ways. Um, yeah. So yearning for eternity can can reflect that as well, you know, person with a death wish. Yeah. But I don't think that's quite what they're going for. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, so some of the some of the annotations around this one is like one of the names for paradise or the eternal um, translates to the ten trillion land. So it might refer to the distance between, you know, paradise and this world, but it can also suggest infinite duration. And depending on this guy's background, I mean, the idea of like an eternal stillness or place of uh, rest, I think that that's a, that's an idea he probably was exposed to if he was a Buddhist of this time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there are others who in Japan at this time did believe in heaven or, or notions like that. Yeah. Um, then also maybe it's just the DMT that gets released in your brain when you die and everything's like, whoa, you like lose all sense of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible. I mean, we'll find out someday, but we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. We all will. Yeah, because we're going to mail you DMT with the F, guys. <laughs> no, 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 um, no mailing of, uh, of drugs happening here, but yeah, I, you, you will die. The fire festival effect is like worn off for me. It was like two weeks ago I saw it and now I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta wake up every morning and look at a picture of Ja Rule and remember, <laughs> don't be like Ja Rule. Well, in some ways do, but in some ways really don't. Oh, sh- shit. What? I think Jarl's poem is in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's not possible. He's still alive. No, I'm serious. You're lying. It's right here. Look, flowers bloom a score of days. I three score years and nine. And now dawn breaks. Very eloquent guy. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> Jarl. Yeah, so like we we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive into poetry at some point um i have faith that we will now that we actually did this japanese death poem episode yeah because i've been talking about these freaking death poems since we started putting stuff out there and we haven't done it yet but one of the things we will talk about when we go into a deep dive on poetry is that much of poetry is about sound um and not strictly about content it's about the marriage of content and sound and so with translations you are losing um, the sound of the original language. And so you're losing an important aspect of the poetry. But these poems still have interest because of their circumstance and because of the time and place they came from, the imagery they use. So there's still value in, in, in reading these, even if you don't completely get the, the feel of them in the same way. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely curious to do that deep dive on poetry in the future, but I, you know, I think one of the things that I've appreciated or I've I've come to see when I've done you know some basic level of research into how to read poetry is that like really the best way to read poetry is to just read poetry, you know, like just mm-hmm. sit with it, 
you know, read it out loud. Like yeah, said, yeah. Um, and just to do it. So, um, in this episode, you know, that's basically what we're going to do. We're just, just going to read some of these poems, see how we feel about them, talk about them. Yep. And just go from there. One, one minor tip I'll mention along those lines is don't pause after each line in a poem. Mm. Uh, pause after punctuation. Um, but just like read it through. So like, you know, right here, um, let's see, clear sky, the way I came by once, I now go back by. So as opposed to clear sky, the way I came by once, I now go back by. So that gives you a little more of the intention behind how, how it was meant to be, uh, read. Oh, I really like this one, then I'll give it back to you, Will. Read a, read a couple. So I leap from depths of debt into the skies. Autumn of the dragon. That's dope. That's a good one, right? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Depths of debt? Yeah. Like, what's the story? Was he in debt? Good question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a metaphor for a second, but yeah. That the guy had a lot of financial debt and, uh, it was the year of the dragon, the year that he died. And it's a popular belief that the dragon, living in the depths of the sea, rises on a column of clouds and rain at the end of its life. I thought he meant debts as in more like uh, ties, earthly ties, you know, like various um, balls set in motion throughout his life that, you know, all fall to the ground at once because he's gone, you know? Yeah. But he was literally saying, like, shit, man. They're coming after me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, damn, I'm going to pay out these student loans anymore. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he was alive today, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, I shouldn't have fucking majored in, uh, you know, ancient Aramaic literature at uh, Hamline University. <laughs> totally, there's value in that, dude. If you can afford it. If you're, uh, like, your one friend with the River Mansion, then that's exactly what you should do. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're Chet Hanks. Who's that? It's Tom Hanks' son. Yeah, exactly. If you're Chet Hanks, and you have an obligation to just study ancient Aramaic. <laughs> but I don't think that's what he did. I don't think that's what he did, but I don't know. I don't know much about Chet Hanks. Back to you, Chet Hanks. He's actually here today. <laughs> <laughs> and he's officially endorsing our app as his personal... No, he's not. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm Chet Hanks, and uh, I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, uh, I, again, I, I don't even know. I think he might be a controversial figure. He's not endorsing us. We're not affiliated. Is he controversial? Oh, shit. I think so. Not very much, because I don't know about him. But. Yeah, well, we don't know about anything other than, like, ancient Japanese people and, like, entrepreneurs. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one. Falling in the wind, <laughs> a gust of evergreen leaves. Why'd you laugh? Because of your comment, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, Falling in the wind, a gust of evergreen leaves. Yep. So this is Ipu, and uh, he's in the fall, um, but it's, uh, it's a paradox, right? Because there is, I mean, a gust of evergreen leaves. Evergreen trees don't lose their leaves. Um, 
So, you know, the paradox is kind of about man's wonder in the face of death and, um, you know, the evergreen leaves blowing in the death wind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting on a couple of levels. Like, one is transience and impermanence. The other is, like, the kernel of eternity that exists in our lives, you know? Because, like, the material we're made of doesn't disappear when we die, right? Like, we, we come from things, we, we go to things, like the ashes to ashes, dust to dust kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So it, it's... It's interesting that we are so transient when we're made of things that are so intransient in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. And the other thing, too, is I think, like, how evergreen life seems, you know, mm-hmm. um, when it's not. So there's, like, the, um, what is it? We are. Wait, let me get this right. We are mortal in all that we desire and immortal in all that we fear or is it the other way around <laughs> I think I think that's what it is mortal in what we desire immortal yeah here we go yeah you act like mortals in all that you fear and immortals in all that you desire so it's actually the opposite Makes sense. But the idea being is like we don't necessarily always live like uh, like we have a finite life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't. We definitely don't. Um, you know, and I think it's an important reminder, right, to like spur you to action. Um, is like, you know, time is finite and, um, you know, you could die any day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's one I like. What matter if I live on? A tortoise lives a hundred times as long. I like that one because it's so true and also, this is kind of humorous, but one of my dreams in life is to, like, close to death, get, like, a bunch of tortoises and turtles, and if I'm rich, and then, like, in my will, like... Oh, set up trusts and like, <laughs> give people like a bunch of money like you know relatives and family members and stuff but only allow them to access the money as long as they keep and care for the tortoise ah that's um, a good idea and the funny thing about that is like tortoises like pet tortoises literally live for like 80 to 100 years so if, if I'm like you know 70 or 80 and I'm like bequeathing people who are in their you know 40s and 50s with tortoises they're gonna have to like pass this tortoise on for like generations and their family to like great idea access these funds no i'll do that too yeah yeah i'm gonna do that too that's a great idea dude yeah are you kidding me (laughs) holy shit that's genius but it ideally it'd be like tortoises live even longer than that can we amp that up a little bit maybe i mean maybe it's like a line of tortoises you have to care for oh that would be a good one that would be a good one maybe yeah you have to set up a tortoise breeding program you can only get like X percent of the trust each month or X amount of dollars each month. And as soon as you shut down the breeding program, all the money's gone and it goes to a charity. Goes to an anti-charity. Oh, I love that. yeah. That's perfect. An anti-charity. Straight to fucking Hamas. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So we have these like fun little tricks to motivate you guys. <laughs> 
Well, well this, is, this is related to what we were talking about last week. So one of these uh, behavioral techniques that tends to be really effective is this idea of like, um, if you don't meet your goal, you have to donate some money to an anti-charity. So if you're a Democrat, for example, you have to donate to the Republican Party or, or whatever. Um, so, so that's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, no Hamas, though. No Hamas. <laughs> that's too far, man. That's too far. Yeah, no, I, I would never give money to an armed terrorist group just to motivate you guys to care for a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> a tortoise, not a turtle. Is it, what, what's the difference? Well, they're just like... Different animals. Different animals, but in particular, right. tortoises tend to be more land-based, and yeah. turtles live in water yeah. Um, more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just different. But, like I said, main main uh, identifying difference is that turtles are land-based. I think there might be a difference about, like, their beaks as well. Um, but I'm not... I don't recall exactly uh, what the deal is there. Anyway. So check out the podcast on behavioral nudges, too, if you want. Uh, that's a good grounding and a host of techniques we're going to use to help you guys read more. Um, we are actually deploying experiments around a bunch of these techniques next week uh, to help ourselves read more because Arik is going through a particularly busy time at work, so am I. So it'll be an interesting uh, use case to, to see how that plays out. Um, among the types of things we're trying include social nudges, um, unpredictable rewards, um, let's see, implementation intention and clarifying implementation intentions. Um, and then find the post-it. Other techniques as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one appeals to me. If I must die, then let me die before the winter comes. Because it's cold. And um, just screw that. I'd rather just die before winter if I'm already on my deathbed, you know? Yeah. Although here we don't really have to deal with that. But if I was back in uh, the upper Midwest, then most definitely I want to die before the winter comes. Well, I think that's also like winter of life, right? Like it's like go out when you're on top kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Avoid the state where you're in like debility and, you know, you lack resources. Yeah. He did also die at the end of autumn, two days before the arrival of winter. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's see here. Round of flame, two tiger moths race to die. Uh, apparently tiger moths are kind of a, a, a symbol of summer in Japan. And uh, this poet died in summer. Hmm. Yeah, one thing that's interesting about these poems is like, think about the pressure, right? Like in a way where this is like your your final creative mark on the world it's your final expression of your insight or aesthetic skill creative skill and it takes a lifetime of practice to actually be able to execute this like imagine if like we died right now and we were like write a poem like it's probably not gonna be that good no it's definitely not so it really shows like you know a, a, a 
a lifetime of refinement to get to this point. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's it's it is pretty amazing to actually write something eloquent in those uh, circumstances. Um, yeah. And I think there's like three types of people we've seen in this collection so far. One is a haiku poet who spent their life, you know, cultivating, you know, the written word, like creative output, like more directly. And then there's, you know, samurai who spent their lives primarily cultivating fearlessness, things of that nature, which play into this because you have to fearlessly express yourself in that moment without, um, you know, without getting occluded or compromised by anxiety, you know, or pressure. And there's like the Zen monk who's clarified their mind, like refinement of mind such that you're, you know, clear and able to express yourself without tripping over yourself in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And able to see something aesthetically worthwhile in a dark circumstance. Right. Without being overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. Here's one I like uh, actually a lot. That which blossoms falls. The way of all flesh in this world of flowers. Yeah, the world of flowers part is interesting there for, for me, which is like, again, it plays with this concept of like the eternal and the transient, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you are this little transient thing in this world of like beauty and and impermanence but it's permanent in its impermanence yeah you know yeah exactly exactly i mean for every you know every blossom that falls there's another one that buds right Mm -hmm. um and such is the way of the world let's see here oh yeah i like this one this is from uh this is from a zen monk so they're like you must play the tune of non-being yourself Nine summits collapse, eight oceans go dry. This nine summits collapse, eight oceans go dry. It almost like feels like a description of death itself, like the experience of death, you know? Where it's like just something uh, vast and yawning, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. That is definitely interesting. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, let's do another one from uh, from one of the monks here. All doctrines split asunder, teaching cast away, four score years and one. Um, the sky now cracks and falls, the earth cleaves open, in the heart of f- the fire lies a hidden spring. Interesting. Yeah, it's Gyun, who died on the 12th uh, day of the 10th month in 1333 at the age of 81. It's a long time to live at that time. To live to 81 in 1330s? Yeah, that is a long time. Um, I like that one. I think it's interesting because it, it, it's, again, this idea of, like, you know, the the peace, like, the eternal rest that lies within, you know, the scary and fiery idea of, of what death is, 
right? Like, yeah. the earth is being cleaved apart. One thing I appreciate about that one is he's not shying away from the fact that, like, you know, it is scary and it is, yeah. like, fiery and it's the dark. It feels like, you know, the sky is cracking open and the earth is yeah. being hewn asunder. Yeah. But it's keeping in mind that, you know, there's a spring within yeah. that. Um, I like that one. Yeah, and the doctrines cast aside, teaching cast as, or uh, teachings cast asunder. I think is an interesting one too, where it's like, it's reality intruding. Yeah. Right. Like whatever conceptual you know web you've been spinning, is finally cast asunder right there. If you haven't been able to cast it asunder already, it's gonna be done for you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Which is kind of nice, you know. Jump you ahead in your practice a little. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's eternal stillness of mind for you. Yeah. Alright, so now you're going to hear one that's fucking, fucking scary. Like, it's going to be terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) You may need to brace yourself for this one. So if you're driving a car, pull over to the side of the road. (laughs) If you're at work, you know, go to the freaking mother's room or the bathroom (laughs) or something. Close the stall. (laughs) Honestly, just stop this podcast right here. No, don't stop the podcast. You, you, you have to see. You have to hear this. You have to. You, you have to, and otherwise, you're just not gonna be able to face your death with dignity. Yeah. All right. Today, my life is mirrored in a morning glory. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> scary flower. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play around. <laughs> yeah, I feel like some of the other morning glory ones kinda kinda trump that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I would want to uh write a death poem. I think I would rather just die mysteriously. Speaking of which, we talked about the Zen master Takuan Soho. Yep. Last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. We did nudge inside the night. Yeah, we did a nudge last, last week. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago. So, uh, Muninori and Soho. You know, like that episode. Basically, you know, sword master and Zen master and correspondence and the insights they garnered on the nature of mind. Well, Takuan on his deathbed um, was refusing to write a death poem. The people around him were pushing him to write it and entreating him, and so he, you know, finally reluctantly took up a brush and wrote uh, the word dream and then died. And he requested that his body be burned on a mountaintop, no tombstone, no burial. Um, and that's what they did. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what I want, except with the addition of like the tortoises for my yeah. family. <laughs> The tortoise fun. The turtle club. <laughs> I like that. Well, I think um, I think we reached a good point on this one. What, I, what I'll tell you guys about this is pick up the book, uh, Japanese Death Poems, uh, compiled and with an introduction by Yoel Hoffman. It's an interesting read. Um, I think it, it brings you back to the fact that life isn't permanent reminds you that you know you're in this like world of flowers and eternity but you're 
in transient state yourself. You're a gust of evergreen leaves in the wind. Um, not a bad thing. I think it'll help you appreciate your life a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I think it's worth doing. And I think, you know, especially in the West, we could learn a lot from these, uh, you know, more um, kind of peaceful ways and, and dignified ways to meet death um, rather oh, yeah. than, you know, either running from it or, or kind of avoiding the subject entirely. Like, I think it's useful to sit with the subject and, and try to be comfortable with it because, yeah. you know, it's the one inevitability in all of our lives um, yeah. is that they start and they end, right? And it's what you do in that finite time um, that defines your life. Yeah, we were talking about, like, the samurai reflecting on death every day, the Stoics reflecting on death, death every day. Um, there's a lot of benefit to that, you know? And, like, the ancient Buddhists, too, like, they had many meditations on death um, that were pretty explicit. Like, there's a lot of different different folks who leverage these approaches to like appreciate their lives um or you can go on buzzfeed i think i saw an article that's like 15 funky you know dying words (laughs) that's actually the same you don't actually need to like check this out (laughs) 10 last words from horror movies (laughs) Uh, yeah you can do that too but if you want something deeper you know, this is an option. And um, come check out the podcast. Check out the YouTube channel. Um, Contact at rdmr.io if you want to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we will conclude our mini journey into Japan for now with this one. Yeah, um, yeah. This is becoming like Zen Samurai Pod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so we promise you guys some... Uh, and, and gals and, and whoever else, some uh, non-Japanese Zen Samurai content uh, starting next week. <laughs> we're we're going to do the opposite of like Japanese Samurai Zen content. We're going to do like freaking Hillbilly Elegy. Hell yeah. You know, like no relationship with death. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have a relationship with that. I mean, with the opioid epidemic and like a lot of the chaos going on. But that's a good book we should check out. I don't know anything about that book. So it's a guy called J.D. Vance who grew up in the Appalachians. Super poor. Um, his grandma tried to like set his grandpa on fire and shit like that. Yeah. And then he went to like Yale Law School and like his life kind of turned around. And then he wrote this book about where he came from and like what it's like and the situation over there. Um, that could be an interesting read. Um, yeah. Just get some perspective. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. Then that I have a book on the south side of Chicago. We could like pair those together, see similarities, differences, things like that. It is interesting to think about, you know, what is the opposite of Zen samurai time period? Maybe like sci-fi, future sci-fi stuff. A lot of sci-fi is is influenced by things like the samurai, though. I would say like Star that's Wars, true. right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. good point. That's a good point. What about like what about medieval European texts? It's all like you know, fear of God and um, you know, listening to the church and stuff like that. That could be interesting. I mean, we could do like a, a medieval philosopher, you know, like Bothius or Aquinas or something like that. But if we're gonna do Aquinas, we should do Plato first. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we go into Plato. Plato isn't the opposite, but Plato would be a change, and then we can work up to the medieval European philosophers who are building on that tradition. Yeah. 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 That might make sense. Yeah. Or we can do like 
Well, I think we're trying to go away from like freaking, you know, direct personal experience of eternity and shit like that. Because we could do like the Desert Fathers, like Christian mystics, shit like that. But that's I don't think the direction. People people need a break. People need to go to like something like material, like like cocaine cowboys. Yeah, something something concrete. Like Miami Vice, the book, the novel. Yeah. You know. Hell yeah, hell yeah. There is a book uh, about the uh, the mafia in Cuba. That I've been meaning to read that we could check out. I forget the author's name, but he read these really interesting books. I read the one he wrote. Well, I listened to an audiobook for him about the uh, the Boston crime families, like the Irish. Um, it was really good. It was about uh, what was the name of that guy? The oh, really man. famous criminal yeah. who there was a big case. And Whitey. Whitey Bulger? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was about yeah. Whitey Bulger. Um, it was actually a great book. Um, man, I wish I could remember the name of that. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of that author. It was, um, it was, it was really good, but I just, uh, I'm uh, very much drawing a blank here. I'm trying to like quickly like go to my, uh, Audible library and see if I can find it uh, for you guys. You know, we, we could also do an episode on like predicting the future. Like we could do like super forecasting, um, radical uncertainty, the book of why, you know, understanding causal relationships. Um, we could do like a combo of those books to give you kind of a toolkit for long-term prediction. Um, that would be actually interesting as well. Yeah, that definitely would be. Or we could do something mathematical. We could do the birth of a theorem, you know? Like, follow this uh, Fields medalist mathematician on his quest to, like, you know, discover the color of God's underwear, shit like that. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Um, okay, I give up. I can't find it. And with that, goodbye.